Well, if you haven't been with us the past few weeks, we're in the middle of a series called Kids uh, Stories Adult Versions. And what we've been doing is we've just been sharing a biblical story with kids, and then they're going to go upstairs to classrooms, and they're going to discuss it, and then we're going to discuss it down here. So today, we're going to be reading Daniel and the Lion's Den. Kids, are you ready? You don't sound ready. Are you ready? Great. This comes out of Daniel 6. Can you see the pictures? That's the real important part. You can see it? All right, I'm going to try and do this while reading, while holding a microphone. We'll do it. The administrators and high officers went to the king and said, long live King Darius. We are all in agreement. We administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, so just important people, that the king should make a law that be strictly enforced Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty will be thrown into the den of lions. Can y'all do a lion roar? Your best lion roar? I'm not even going to ask you to do it again because that way exceeded my expectations. <laughs> But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room. With its windows open towards Jerusalem, he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. So at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and be thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, may your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed the stone with his royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment, and he couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out of the lion's den. When he got there, he called out of anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? Do you guys think that God rescued Daniel from the lions? Yes. Well, you're in luck. Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angels to shut the lion's mouth so they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. So what's next, kids? Jesus connection, and the Jesus connection is, <laughs> you can talk better than I can. This is going to be a great morning. <laughs> Daniel trusted God when bad things happened, and we can trust his son, Jesus, too. So let's pray, and then you guys are going to head on upstairs. Jesus, God, I thank you, Lord, that you handle fear. God, that the fear that comes in our lives, Jesus, that when we're overwhelmed with fear, Jesus, when, when we're in the middle of a pit of lions, God, that you always come through every single time when we call upon you. So Jesus, I pray that you'll instill this in these kids at a young age, and God, that you'll remind us as adults. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, kids. See you later. Wave bye to your parents. Can we give it up for these kids?
Listen, I'm a little thrown off. That lion roar was, uh, was pretty intense. It was pretty great. So I have two sisters. Anybody have siblings in here? I have two younger sisters. My youngest sister, my baby sister, I'm trying to get over this. She got engaged last night. That was a really big deal, uh, which was pretty awesome. But it has been the calling on my life since I was to the age to know what it was to scare the living crap out of my sisters every time they come out of a room. Every single time I know they're about to come out of the bathroom or they're about to come out of their bedroom. From the time I was probably eight years old, I was like, it is my job to get in position, to get ready, and then jump out and scream as loud as I can like those kids just did to scare my sisters. Any of your siblings do this? Yes, oh, you're fortunate. It, 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 listen, listen, it's, it's a high calling, but not all are chosen to this. Um, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, and here I am, send me Lord. I just do it. So I scare my siblings every single chance I can get, but lucky for me, my sisters, they go into flight mode. I don't know if you know this or not, but there's a psychological um, term, a, a thing, where your brain, in a moment of fear, you either go into flight mode or you go into fight mode, right? So my sister, when I jump out and scare both of them, luckily, they just scream and run as fast as they can. They scream and run, and it's great. It's, it's a great joy of my life to see this happen. Um, I'm a grown adult now. They're both grown adults, and I still do this if I get a chance to. It's a great opportunity. Well, I grew up, I got married, I have a wife, and early on in marriage, it was like, I just passed this on to my wife now, this is awesome. <laughs> so Jace walks out of the bathroom, and I learned very quickly, Jace does not go into flight mode. Jace goes into fight mode. <laughs> and when you go against Jace in fight mode, you lose. She's the greatest person in the world. I love her with all my heart. But Jace goes into fight mode, and that's not something I wish upon any of you. So we're going to read some of this story again. We're going to pick up in Daniel. Um, this is Daniel 6, verse 16. We read a little bit of uh, the kids' version, but I want to read it um, without the lion distractions of all the kids so we can just really get into this. So we're picking up, this is right when uh, the king commanded David, sorry, David, Daniel to be um, brought into the pit of lions. So verse 16, it says, then the king commanded and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. And the king declared to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him and he slept from him. Then at the break of day, the king arose and went out in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, 
O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad, and he commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him because he was trusted in God. And now here's the part that they leave out of the kid's story that I just thought I'd read for you, and it goes nothing with my sermon, but here we go. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they and their children and their lives, and before they reached the bottom of the den, and the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones into pieces. That wasn't in the kid's story, (laughs) but that's why this is the adult version. So here's some facts about lions, okay? I just want to paint a picture of how terrifying a lion is. Maybe some of you think like, oh, lions in a zoo, that's cool. I watch Narnia, lions are awesome. Madagascar is my favorite movie. I love Alex the Lion. Well, here we go. You can hear a lion's roar up to five miles away. That is farther than I drove this morning. You can hear a lion's roar up to five miles away. Think about that. Lions can maintain a speed for up to 50 miles an hour for a short distance, and they can leap up to 10 feet. That's also faster than I drove today. A lion's back teeth, this is my favorite part, have a scissor-like function. This helps them to tackle a fresh piece of meat, but lions, they don't really chew. They swallow chunks from the side of their mouth. Daniel is in a pit with a bunch of these beasts. And we just talked about earlier, like, do you go into fight mode or you go into flight mode? So I put myself in this situation. I'm like, all right, I'm in a pit with lions. I'm definitely scared. This is definitely a scary thing. Do I go into fight mode here or do I go into flight mode here? Flight mode isn't an option because if you remember right, the king literally sealed the den. So there's no getting out. In fight mode... I mean, I don't know about you, but me against a bunch of lions, not a chance. But then I think back to Samson and how like he literally destroyed a lion with his bare hands. But for some reason, um, God doesn't give him that supernatural power in this moment. So he doesn't go into fight mode. He doesn't go into flight mode. Neither of those are an option. But there is a third option available, and it's an option that most of us don't go to right away. It's an option that it takes a lot of skill, it takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of learning, it takes the Holy Spirit teaching us to learn this third option. And that's the option to sit and to trust God. When life's going at you crazy, when things are arising, when conflict is is taking over control of your life, when you have the option to go into fight mode or flight mode, oftentimes God is calling us to this third option, and that is just to sit, and that's to trust him. So, when you're in your proverbial den of lions, is there in your natural instinct to fight or to flee? Do you go into fight mode? Are you the man of the house? Like I'm the man of the house and it's my job to fight for my family and I'm gonna do what I gotta do. And that's a natural like God-given thing, but I'm just gonna fight. I'm just gonna fight for my family. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna work five jobs. I'm gonna work six jobs. I'm gonna work, I'm gonna do all I can do. And you're still facing the same conflict over and over and over. 
Or maybe your entire life you haven't had the option except for just to fight. Maybe you grew up in foster care and you've never met your real parents and you feel like life's just always against you. Or you've been bullied over and over and over and you just, you just got this grit to you and you feel like you can just tackle anything all by yourself. Like you think you can just fight. But your fighting's useless without the Holy Spirit. Do you go into flight mode? Maybe a spouse has cheated on you. A past spouse. So you run for love because, man, they didn't love me. So I just run from every opportunity that arises because I can't trust anyone. Or maybe you've been abused by someone close, and if so, I'm sorry. Nobody deserves to go through that. But you run from love at every chance you can get because the only person that can truly love you, that's only ever proved to truly love you, what you believe, the only person that can't hurt you is yourself. Well, here's the issue about going flight mode against a lion. Like I said earlier, lions go 50 miles an hour. You're not outrunning a lion. Maybe some of you in this place, you're running as fast as you can over and over and over. You're just in this habitual cycle of just running and running and running. Conflict arises. The starting pistol goes off. You're running as fast as Usain Bolt. And by the time you're all the way around the track, the lion's already caught you. What if I told you this morning that running isn't the best option? That there's a third option, that Jesus is for you and he's willing to fight the battle for you. You're helpless to kick the addiction without the Holy Spirit. Fight mode isn't an option without Jesus. You're helpless without him. You can fight for your health over and over and over. You can fight sickness, but without a touch from Jesus or without the Holy Spirit helping a doctor move in your life, you're helpless. You can fight sickness with your own strength. You can do all these things, but you're just a man, you're just a woman, and you need Jesus. I want you to imagine this for those of you that go into fight mode. Picture this for me. Imagine getting robbed at gunpoint, okay? You're like, wow, that's a great analogy. Thanks, Sam, appreciate it. Imagine getting robbed at gunpoint, and the person standing there with the gun at you, and he's about to rob you, and a police officer comes behind you with a weapon, with a gun, and he's ready to alleviate the issue, and you say, no, officer, it's okay. I'll just fight with my hands. I got this. Please, officer, please put your weapon away. I will solve this with my fists. Nobody would do that. That's crazy. That is ridiculous. That's ludicrous. You would never do such a thing, but oftentimes this is what we do with God. He has all the power. He has all the strength. He has all the authority. He has the whole world. He has resurrection power within his hands, and we say, I got this, God. I'm just going to fight this on my own. Let me remind you, you without the power of Jesus, without the resurrection power of God, you're helpless. You can't do any of it in your own strength. 
So you're wondering, Sam, why am I running circles and circles and circles? Why am I fighting and I feel like I'm getting beat up over and over and over? That's because maybe you're doing something in your own strength and because fight mode and flight mode without the resurrection power of Jesus always leads to your defeat every single time. Man, but with Jesus... With Jesus, with this third option of sitting and waiting on the Lord and waiting for him to speak and waiting on him to move, that's when things start to shift. That's when things start to change. So here's the issue, though. I have a really hard time trusting something unless I understand, unless I really trust the person that's leading me through this situation. So your third option is trust God, but oftentimes the reason we don't run to that third option is because we don't really trust God. Sam, I go to church. Sam, I I come to every gathering. Sam, I'm in a small group. But do you trust Jesus? But do you trust God? And it's hard to trust God unless you really know God. It's hard to trust something unless you really know something. For instance, I know nothing about airplanes, but I will get on a plane and fly to Disney World if you buy me the ticket today. I'll be there tomorrow. Why? Because I trust that a pilot has the skill set to take me there. I, I know nothing about motor vehicles, Nothing. The check engine light on my Jeep has been on for a really long time and I just ignore it. I'm sorry to admit it because I know nothing about it and it intimidates me and I know know nothing at all. But if I take my Jeep to the, some of you mechanics in the room are like, oh, this is bad. (laughs) This is really bad. Sorry. Uh, Talk to me after service. I really need help. Um, (laughs) For real. (laughs) Now I do. (laughs) So, But if I take my car to a mechanic, I can trust that the mechanic is going to fix my car. So you're like, I don't understand the problems I'm facing. I don't understand why this financial pressure, I don't understand why I'm going through it. I don't know why my kids aren't living for Jesus and it really seems like they're living for the devil. I don't understand these things. And I'm not saying that God's bringing you through these things. I'm not saying he's making these things happen. But I'm telling you, he has all understanding and all knowledge of everything. So if you just trust in him, he can get you through any situation. He has the power. He has the ability. His name is Jesus, and he has resurrection power in his hands. If he can die and get up from the grave in three days, I promise you he can fix any problem that you have. You can trust him. But the issue is we trust people a lot more when we know them. I mentioned my sister got engaged yesterday. So thrilled for her. She's known Cameron for a good year and a half now, and they're so happy, and I'm so happy for them. I would not be as happy for Ashley if this was a year and a half ago if they had met on the first day and Cameron got on one knee and said, will you marry me? Because I'd be like, how do you trust him? You don't know him. You met him a day ago. 
What are you doing? But over time, she's learned to trust him. She spent time with him. She's went on dates with him. She's, she's gotten to know him deeply. So now they're at a point in their life where they can understand, you know what? I think it's time for us to seal the deal on this. Let's get married because we trust each other. But imagine if they would have went on that date. The first date, a year and a half ago, and never talked. And just like a year and a half later, he just shows up, be like, hey, you want to be my wife? <laughs> I would have stepped in as an older brother and been like, go. <laughs> no, chill. Why? Because they built relationship equity. They've built a relationship. Is your relationship with Jesus strong enough that you trust him? Or did you just say a prayer a long time ago and you just show up to gatherings and you just, you just think you have a good relationship with God? Do you really know Jesus? Or do you just know about Jesus? Let me ask you that again. Do you know Jesus or do you just know about Jesus? I'm a huge baseball fan. Um, one of my favorite pitchers is Justin Verlander. And I know Justin Verlander has three no-hitters. He's thrown three no-hitters. I know he's a nine-time All-Star, and I knew he grew up in Virginia. I knew all this about Justin Verlander. If I walk down the street and Justin Verlander passes me, and I say, what up, JV? How are you, man? Long time no see. He's going to say, probably nothing. He's probably just going to walk past me because he's a Major League Baseball player, and I have no clue who he is. Like, I, I know about him, but I don't really know him. I know his facts, I know his stats, I got his baseball cards, I got two of his rookie cards. Like, I've been a Justin Verlander fan for a really, really long time. I love Justin Verlander. But if I walk down the street and I see Justin Verlander, he will have no recollection. I don't know who you are. Sorry, but nice to meet you. You can come to every single gathering you can memorize every single scripture verse you want. You can go to community groups. And you can walk the, walk the, the traditional Christian things to do. But if you don't really know Jesus, you're missing the point. You can tell me, the facts and stats of Jesus, just like I can tell you the facts of Justin Verlander. You could tell me, listen, Jesus, I know he died. I know he rose from the grave. I know he was born in Bethlehem. I know all these things. But unless you really know Jesus, you're missing it. Matthew 27, 21 says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the only one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and many mighty works in your name and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I don't know about you, but I've never casted out a demon. 
Man, I've prayed for a lot of miracles, but I haven't seen a miracle happen. And this, this Bible is saying that many will perform miracles in his name and many will cast out demons in his name. But one day when they meet face to face with God, he will say, depart from me for I never knew you because it's more than doing things for Jesus. It's about knowing Jesus. This is the most sobering passage of scripture to me because it says many it doesn't say few. It doesn't say some. It doesn't say only, only these. It says many will come to me on that day. Which goes to show that there, there are many people walking, living a life, living a life that they might think is for God. That many are walking a life and they're, they're doing all the Christian habitual things but they don't really know Jesus. So my question for you today is, do you know Jesus? Because when the lions come, when you're thrown into the pit and fight mode isn't an option and flight mode isn't an option, there's only one man that can help you in that situation and his name is Jesus. And do you know him enough to call on him? Because he'll come immediately when you call him. But is that your instinct or is that your last resort? He's waiting. He wants to have a relationship with you. But are you willing? But Sam, I come to every gathering. Sam, I come to small groups. Like I lead a small group, Sam. Surely I... I know Jesus, but I'm trying to figure out why are these problems still arriving? Imagine this. Imagine you walk into Dos Bros. Anybody like Dos Bros? Whew, amen. Imagine you walk into Dos Bros. And you just stand there. And you walk up to the line, you get up to the counter. And you just stand there. They say, sir, how can I help you? Ma'am, how can I help you? And you just And then you scream, I'm hungry. I want a burrito. They would look at you and go, you should have just asked. <laughs> Thank you. We'll get you your burrito right away. Free of charge. Get out. Like you, you should have just asked. Like walking in wasn't enough to qualify you to get a burrito served you on a silver platter. Like you should have asked for a burrito with some queso, even though it's like $5 extra. You should have just asked. <laughs> but here's what we do. We walk into church and we say, God, I'm hungry. God, why are my problems still here? What's going on? I'm frustrated. And God's saying, you should have just asked. I was right here the whole time, but you just walk in. You don't participate. You don't, you don't go your day-to-day -day life calling upon me, praying with me, building relationship with me. If you just walk in this gathering and think you have a relationship with Jesus, you're fooling yourself. There's more. There's more to Jesus than just your Sunday morning gatherings. He wants to have a real 
real relationship with you. And this can be intimidating because it's like, Sam, I didn't grow up in church. Sam, I don't know every scripture verse. Sam, there's a lot of Lee kids around here and they study theology and I don't know anything about theology and I can't explain the Trinity and I don't know what's going on. But let me show you a picture of my Uncle Grant. They're going to throw this picture up in just a sec. But let me tell you about him. So my Uncle Grant, he has Down syndrome. Here he is right here. He's the best man at my wedding. He is the greatest person I've ever known. Grant spends, I kid you not, hours and hours and hours a day sometimes highlighting scripture, copying it, and reading it. He wakes up, he gets a shower, he probably watches Full House or MacGyver, typically, but then (laughs) he opens up God's word and he highlights it and he copies it and he reads it and he highlights it and he copies it and he reads it. And I'm not insulting his intelligence. He's my best friend in the entire world. But Grant doesn't comprehend a single word he's reading. Grant couldn't go on to recite to you the Bible story I just read, although I promise you he's read it more than any of you in this room. He couldn't explain the Trinity Grant knows Jesus. Grant knows Jesus. Why? Because God sees his effort. God sees his pursuit towards him. And supernaturally, I believe when he opens up that book every single day that the Holy Spirit fills his room and gives him a comfort and gives him a peace and gives him a love and gives him, gives him something tangible that you can't feel anywhere else except for in the presence of God. Grant knows Jesus. And I used to sit around as a kid and just think how frustrated must he be that he copies word. Literally, this is his old Bible in this picture. The pages are falling out. And I used to think how frustrating must it be that my Uncle Grant over and over and over are reading these words that he can't understand. But it hit me, it's not about It's not about understanding everything. It's about just the the fellowship you have with Jesus, the friendship you have with Jesus. If my Uncle Grant, who can't read, literally, he can sound words out, he can copy the words, but like, that's all he can do. He can read cat and dog and bat and book. He can't read Leviticus, that's for sure. He can't can't read Josephat. He can't read 
like full sentences, but still there's no excuse. He gets in God's word every single day because he understands that he has a relationship with Jesus and he makes it a priority in his life. Man, if that's, if that's not an excuse not to get into God's word, literally not being able to comprehend it, if that's not an excuse, what's our excuse? What's our excuse to get to know Jesus? I can tell you this much. Well, you might not know every single scripture. Here's what he does know. When I'm sick, he'll say, let's pray. I've seen him do it. He can tell you, Sam, Jesus died for me. One day I'm going to heaven. He can tell you these things. He trusts God. He trusts Jesus because he knows him. So the problems you're facing, the lions in your life, maybe this morning they're more real than ever. Maybe you faced it on the car ride here. Maybe you got more bills and he got money. Maybe you're going through a divorce. Maybe the cancer's come back again in your loved one's life and you're just tired of running and you're tired of fighting. This morning, I want to invite you to trust Jesus. I want to invite you to get in his presence. This is not just an invite to those who have never known Jesus. If you've never known Jesus, if you've never accepted him as your Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you to do this. Just pray. Jesus, I want to know more about you. I want to know what this is all about. And I also want to encourage you to go to the prayer corner. There's people there ready and willing to pray with you. But this is also an invitation for those of you that maybe you followed Jesus for a really long time, but maybe you know him like I know Justin Verlander, and you don't know him like you know your best friend. And today, maybe you need to just take a moment and say, God, I want to know you deeper. I don't trust you, but I want to have a relationship deep enough so I do trust you. So public worship, they're about to lead us in a song. And I want you guys to stand. I'm just going to pray real quick, and then we're going to dive into worship. So Jesus, I pray over every single person under the sound of my voice. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will draw them deeper into relationship with you. God, that the things that they're facing, the lions in their life, God, God, that they won't be intimidated to run or to fight or to make a fear-based decision, but instead they will trust in you who will shut the mouth of the lions. Jesus, draw us deeper to you this morning. We love you. It's in your precious name we pray.